from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Diversion Audio. A note. This episode contains descriptions of violence that may be disturbing for some audiences. Please take care in listening. This series is based on historical characters and real events. Some dialogue has been imagined for dramatic purposes when no primary source material is available. The first time Virginia Hall met Vera Atkins in February 1941, she believed the woman was nothing more than another airheaded socialite. Vera had been hosting a party, decked out in lavish clothes, relaxing on expensive furniture, and doing her best to entertain her guests. But now, two weeks after the party, as Virginia sat across from Vera in a high-end restaurant in central London, the woman's demeanor seemed very different. The day before, she'd asked Virginia to meet her in a phone call with hushed tones. She carried with her a sense of urgency Virginia didn't associate with the airy, lavish lifestyles of the rich. Vera, I don't want to give you the wrong idea, but there's no way I'll be able to afford anything on this menu. I know. It will be taken care of. You made quite a scene at my party, Virginia. Suddenly, Virginia remembered her appearance at Vera's home. After a few too many glasses of wine, she'd ranted loudly about her distaste for the Nazis, 
without considering that somebody at the party might have been sympathetic to the Germans. Ah, oh, I'm sorry. I just don't be. I'm merely curious. How far are you willing to go? Virginia bristled at this, not entirely sure what Vera meant, but annoyed nevertheless at the obvious challenge. But as Vera continued, Virginia couldn't help but be fascinated by what she was telling her. Vera explained that she was an intelligence officer with the Special Operations Executive, the SOE. The year before, in 1940, Winston Churchill became Britain's Prime Minister and months later created the SOE for the purpose of surveying overseas operations and coordinating action against agents who meant harm to British interests. So they have an intelligence service, uh, the equivalent to the CIA, that existed pre-World War II. It was called the Secret Intelligence Service, or MI6. That's Chris Costa from previous episodes. He's the executive director of the International Spy Museum. MI6 ran agents, meaning they recruited, as I said, individuals that could provide intelligence. But that wasn't good enough for Churchill when Britain went to war. So he said, Churchill said, we need somebody to set Europe ablaze. And that was the mandate of the special operations executive. Churchill wanted somebody to wreak havoc on the battlefield. So sabotage, plus a little espionage, paramilitary operations, make things blow up. Apparently, the SOE needed feet on the ground in France who could facilitate British operatives with safe houses, information, and escape routes out of the country. You're offering me a post. I don't exactly have an elegant hiring history with intelligence agencies. Virginia was referring to her 10 years in various American embassies, where all her efforts for promotion were rejected by her various superiors, all of them men, of course. What we need are passionate, intelligent agents, people who know France, the country, and the language. According to our research, you have knowledge of both, and we need more young people. A lot of our current connections are a bit... Mature, shall we say? You could hear her taking a drag on her cigarette, but she was extremely shrewd. That's Judith Pearson, who wrote the first biography of Virginia Hall, The Wolves at the Door. She's describing Vera Adkins. She was extremely well thought of by the SOE, and they were desperate for people who could speak French, who knew their way around France, who had a bit of an attitude, and Virginia had all those. The job would be difficult, and Virginia's responsibilities numerous. She wouldn't only shelter multiple spies in various safe houses at any given time, but would be subject to the Gestapo's interrogations at any moment. If any of Virginia's compatriots found themselves with their covers blown or sought out by the Nazis, it would be her responsibility to keep them hidden in the safe houses and navigate their way out of the country and back to London. Virginia did have one key advantage the SOE could leverage. She was American, and in 1941, the USA was still ostensibly neutral in World War II. 
As FDR said in late 1940, There is no demand for sending an American expeditionary force outside our own border. There is no intention by any member of your government to send such a force. At the time, Americans like Virginia still had the latitude to live freely in France. She would be tasked with transmitting German intelligence back to the UK through wire transmissions and secret radio broadcasts, as well as coordinating the pickup of pilots and weaponry that fell out of British planes. All of this information over a single dinner could have been overwhelming. You know about my leg. If it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother us. Virginia couldn't deny how much the job seemed too good to be true. For nearly a decade, she'd been rejected from promotions and positions of authority in the American government. She'd wanted to serve all this time, and yet was dismissed for every reason under the sun. She was a woman. She was handicapped. She didn't have the right attitude. And suddenly, here she was, in the presence of a real-life spy, offering her responsibilities she'd only ever dreamed of. Her response was succinct. When do I start? I'm Stephen Talty, and from Diversion, this is Good Assassins Season 2. Being killed would be the easy part. Being tortured would be the hard part. Our intel suggests she is behind many of the prison bricks all over the country. She is dangerous. So sabotage, plus a little espionage, paramilitary operations, make things blow up. A message for Captain Barbie. I believe I have found the nest of the limping lady. Episode 4, Spy Games. All right, men, march! When Virginia arrived in Guilford in the UK in March of 1941 for SOE training, she was given a nickname. Really, the nickname was meant for her prosthetic leg. It was dubbed Cuthbert. As some of the other recruits joked, she could use the limb as a sword in a pinch. They confused the word with cutlass, but Virginia felt like correcting them would give her a reputation as a know-it-all. It was a crass introduction, but Virginia knew she'd have to expect worse from the Nazis. She never told anybody. That's Brad Catling, Virginia's great-nephew. Apparently, Virginia never told the family this story. And in fact, Catling has a different theory on why Virginia calls her prosthetic Cuthbert. Cuthbert was St. Cuthbert, who lived in the 800s. And he lived on the northeastern coast of England, right on the coast. But today, if you go there, it's a bird sanctuary. And, you know, there are a gazillion nesting birds that are there all the time. But St. Cuthbert was actually given credit for saving all of these birds or protecting all of these birds. And he also had an injured knee that had given him trouble. But it ended up being cured uh, through a miracle. 
That's the story anyway. So Cuthbert fits on a number of different levels. First of all, in Turkey, she was hunting for birds. And so if St. Cuthbert is the protector of the birds, then he saved the bird that she was trying to shoot. And choosing Cuthbert is, is also aspirational for her because he was eventually healed. The next few weeks would test her mettle. She didn't have to worry about oral examinations or office politics anymore. Instead, she was training for combat, demolition, and survival. Keep your hands up, Cuthbert. Hands up or you'll get knocked down. The camp was full of volunteers. Trainees were dropping like flies, getting cut for different reasons. Some were too slow. Others were too cocky. Some couldn't keep their mouths shut and were deemed incapable of protecting valuable intel. The SOE couldn't risk their agents cracking, and the Nazis were brutal interrogators. Virginia's reality began to set in when she noticed the number of her compatriots was whittling down every day. The exercises were merciless. She was put through hours and hours of mock interrogations that involved splashing cold water over her head until her lips turned blue. Her memory was challenged. Could she walk into a room with 15 people and then, after 20 seconds, accurately describe the facial features, clothing, and demeanor of every person? Virginia was trained in Morse code and tasked with transmitting it over a secret radio. The volunteers deemed not up to snuff were sent up north to an isolated estate, where they were kept for a few weeks until the intel they were already privy to was no longer of use to the British or the enemy. The prospect of being sent up north began to haunt Virginia's nightmares. She had come this far, and now she was terrified of failing. Virginia, wake up. Hmm? What? You're moving on. Moving on. Wait, please, don't send me up north. North? We're not sending you up north. It's your next session, performance training. Get dressed. After she had proven herself physically, Virginia was placed in the next tier, manners. As the Brits saw it, Virginia was a shoot-from-the-hip, outspoken, highly opinionated, independent woman. She would stick out like a sore thumb in France and attract lots of unnecessary attention. They'd have to change her, train her to hide her American accent, to not look around like a tourist, to blend in without suspicion. And that was easier said than done. As her three-week training session began to wind down, she left behind etiquette and leveled up to the final tier of weapons training. Here she received a tip she didn't expect. Her weapons instructor informed her that if given a choice between wounding a Nazi and killing him, she should always wound him. If you kill him, they'll just leave the body behind. If you put him in the infirmary, his higher-ups get paperwork. Keep them busy and distracted. The best Nazi is a dead Nazi, but let's win the war first, shall we? Following eight weeks of lifestyle training and then mastery of weapons 
and close combat tactics, Virginia was left with a final trial. She'd be dropped off in the nearby village of Wanborough and given a list of duties she had to complete in one week. She had to find a safe house, receive and transmit sensitive information via Morse code, and then ship a package out of town. All of this had to be done while several other volunteers sought her out. If she was discovered, or if any of her information confiscated, she'd have to start her entire training process over. If she failed twice, she would, in fact, be sent up north. At the end of the week, Virginia had successfully evaded her searchers and completed all of her tasks. The SOE decided she was ready. So what Virginia Hall would have learned is how to set up a safe house, how to recruit support agents, meaning people to be a part of her network to collect intelligence. That's Chris Costa again. She would have learned how to shoot. She would have learned hand-to-hand combat. She would have gone through various obstacle courses. You learn about dead drops. Some people in paramilitary operations, special operations, learn how to set up pickup zones for aircraft or drop zones for night parachute operations. So all of those combinations of skills gave Virginia Hall a suite of tools that she can use, but it was all iterative. It She never was fully prepared to execute all the possible tasks that she could get to survive on the battlefield. So that's where she relied on her senses and uh, her instincts and just her acumen. Uh, sir? You wanted to see me? You're shipping out, Cuthbert. We've got a flyby in a month. But, seeing as how that leg of yours would kill you in a jump, we're not parachuting you in. By the grace of God, you were born an American. So you'll enter the country legally, and your cover will be that of an American journalist. Sound good? I can make the jump, sir. And I could bake a souffle, but I wouldn't serve it to Churchill. You'll go in legally. Where in France will I be stationed, sir? Lyon, in the east. It's the free zone. It's a strategic location for us. We've begun planting the seeds of the resistance there. But it's also becoming a hotspot for German activity. You'll be very busy, both aiding our men and gathering intel from the Nazis. Virginia heads into the field after the break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Virginia Hall landed in Lyon, near France's eastern border, in August 1941. Now she was on her own. Her public alias was Brigitte Lecontre, a name picked out by Vera Atkins, who had become something of a friend and her unofficial handler and the special operations executive for the British government. Virginia's code name was to be Germain. Now she had to get used to responding to Brigitte, which was easier said than done. She found cheap boarding in Lyon, but needed her cover. She called on an old family friend who worked at the New York Post newspaper and pitched herself as a culture and politics reporter stationed in France. Weeks of interrogation training made the job interview fly by. Well, Miss Hall, if you can do the job safely, it's yours. Virginia was employed by the New York Post, so she had her cover and was ready for action. Now she'd have to bury all her SOE training under the guise of an American leading a normal expatriate life in France. She had to blend in. It didn't take long for Virginia to hook into the resistance network in Lyon. The SOE had given her a number of British and French contacts she could lean on in a pinch. And under the guise of a neutral American reporting lifestyle pieces, she was able to travel the region with relative ease. Her first article for The Post, dated September 4, 1941, detailed the reality of living under German food rations. The country's food was prioritized for the Germans, a flex of power that meshed with the Statut des Juifs, a law passed in Vichy, France the previous year, in October 1940, that had declared all Jews second-class citizens and stripped them of their human rights. Virginia had to be careful about her writing as it pertained to Jews. 
Even if it was published across the ocean in America, word could get back to France and compromise her position. She was critical of the Nazi occupation, but always wrote in a way where she could maintain plausible deniability. She had to write facts, not commentary. Oui? I was told to meet a Dr. Rousset here. Have you treated the cats on the roof? Yes, but they won't take brandy. It is wonderful to meet you, Brigitte. If we are still calling you that? Until I come up with something catchier. (laughs) (laughs) After a few weeks exploring the city of Lyon, Virginia was introduced to Dr. Jean Rousset a gynecologist and major support system for the Resistance. So, you are the newest addition to the Resistance. I was curious when we'd get a woman. That's not going to be a problem, is it? Not if you can shoot straight and run a mile. Just give me something to shoot and a place to go. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to get on just fine. Now, to business. There is a pilot whose plane was shot down last week. He has been holed up in a safe house and claims to have valuable information. We need you to get him out of the country and back to London. Just like that? Uh, This job doesn't come with a lot of uh, preamble. You're hoping to do some good, aren't you? So yes, just like that. Okay then, tell me where he is. Virginia's instructions were simple. At the edge of town, she left a letter in the mailbox of a small farmhouse and returned home. To a layman's eye, the note described happy birthday wishes, but actually functioned as code. The down British pilot inside the farmhouse was to meet her in a nearby cafe the next evening. There, the two would discuss his escape route. The pilot was a nervous wreck. He detailed his harrowing mission to Virginia anxiously forgetting they were in public. A week earlier, during an aerial dogfight somewhere in the skies above southern France, a barrage of Nazi gunfire blew through his left wing, and he had bailed later than he would have liked. The first thing to realize is that this is World War II. Nobody can eject. That's a modern concept that requires an ejector seat, a rocket-powered seat that shoots out of the plane. They don't have those in World War II aircraft. That's Andrew Orr, the professor of military history from Kansas State University. You've heard him in earlier episodes. If your plane is damaged, there are two ways to escape. One is to crash land the plane. Right, to find an open place and land, land your damaged plane. The other option is to bail out. You have to hold the plane steady, open a door if it's a big plane, or open the canopy manually if it's a small plane, and climb out of the airplane at speed. It's a harrowing and very dangerous experience. As the pilot floated to Earth, he assumed the enemy plane would fire through his parachute. It was only by the grace of God, he said, that the German didn't come back and finish the job. But landing safely wasn't the end of his problems. When you hit the ground, you're in a lot of trouble because the enemy knows 
about your aircraft. They know it got shot down because they did the shooting. They've already alerted local security forces. Eventually, you're going to need food. You're going to need help. You usually end up knocking on a door or approaching somebody when they're by themselves. And it has to be by themselves because the more people who see you, the more likely one of them is loyal to Vichy and will turn you in. So you're basically playing Russian roulette. You're gambling that the person you find will be sympathetic and hook you up with the resistance or at least feed you and not rat you out to the Germans. Dogfights above Lyon had become commonplace since the Nazis realized the British were dropping valuable weapons, food, and medicine to specific drop zones in the countryside. It was a fast and easy way for the SOE to supply the resistance. Fighter planes dogfight to try and stop German aircraft from attacking the larger, slower bulk transports. The German fighters didn't want to dogfight British or later American fighter planes. They wanted to get at the transport planes, which were easy kills, full of agents, knock them down and win. Or described what these dogfights look like. And in World War II, fighter planes could only shoot an enemy in front of them. So getting behind or to the side of an enemy, but with your plane facing your enemy, was how you won and also how you survived. Because most of the time, if a pilot could see and shoot at his enemy, that enemy couldn't shoot at him because of the way physics worked. And so you had these fairly compact battles those which really almost look like a ball of string with multiple aircraft turning and turning repeatedly, trying to get an enemy to lose its line of fire on them while they bring another enemy into their own line of fire. The pilot's tail rattled Virginia. She quickly realized this wasn't training anymore. This was a man who had come shockingly close to death in the most dramatic way, and he couldn't help but wear it on his face. Virginia got the impression that if he was this shaken, he would attract attention, and she urged him to settle down and accompany her out of the cafe. But the pilot was adamant on remaining in public. For all he knew, Virginia could be a double agent, and going somewhere alone with her could be dangerous. Virginia tried to make sense of this. Why meet with her at all? If there was a possibility she wasn't who she said she was, she chalked it up to paranoia. And paranoia made sense. Virginia was so lost in thought, she almost didn't notice a waiter approach their table. Bonjour, what would you like? Just a water would be fine. I'd like a beer. Uh, we don't sell beer. A water. He's just come from America. It's his first time back in a while. Just two waters. Pardon. I will be back. The pilot had made a bad mistake. Beer was no longer served in the occupied country, and this would be something anyone who'd been a citizen of France for the past two years would know. The entire restaurant was staring at them. But if they left, it would be obvious they were hiding something. This was the kind of thing 
that had tripped up Virginia in her training. Now she was responsible for another agent's mistake. That's when Virginia noticed them. Two men, dressed almost entirely in black, getting up from their table and walking towards them. They smirked with cold, dead eyes. There was no mistaking them. Gestapo. Good evening. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, I enjoy beer as well. Um, May we see your papers? And that's a good place to take a quick break. Stay with us. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Virginia was sweating. The Gestapo officer's hand was outstretched to her, beckoning for their identification. She knew that hers would pass a smell test, but she worried about the pilot's. It was likely that his was a rushed job, as the Brits needed men in planes, and they didn't give much thought to the likelihood of their survival if they were shot down. Their thought process was understandable. Why make fake IDs for dead men? Uh, Shirley, Uh, here you are. Hmm, 
Brigitte Lecomte. American. Huh. And his? He left them at home. At home? Virginia had to think fast. Her lie was the same one that everybody used. And it was clear it wasn't playing with the Nazis. Uh... He's been forgetful ever since he got back. He suffered an injury in the States and he hasn't been all there since. His family is taking him to the doctor next week. An injury? They couldn't take care of him overseas? It's not like American doctors are busy. Then the answer came to Virginia. She was sharp and quick. And these talents would prove valuable in her career as a spy. That's exactly what I am interviewing him about. Interviewing him? You can see in my papers I'm a reporter for the New York Post. It's an American paper. I'm interviewing him to understand why he would come back to France for care instead of staying over there. So, tell me. Uh, I don't trust the Americans. <laughs> you don't trust them? <laughs> <laughs> the smartest thing they've done in ages is stay out of this war. Let the Germans get the job done. Get Europe back in shape. The pilot's acting was good, but Virginia couldn't help but wince at any ground given to the Nazis, even if it was going to save their lives. Virginia was watching the Germans closely. Their faces had relaxed. These were men of ego, and seeing theirs appropriately stroked meant they could drop their guard. I hope to read this interview soon. Hopefully, it will make its rounds here, if it is applauding our efforts here in Europe. I'll see that it does. Heil Hitler. Before leaving, the Germans made a quick note of their encounter. Brigitte Lecontre's French was excellent, but her accent was difficult to place. It seemed more Canadian than American. They couldn't quite shake the idea that the woman didn't totally fit the picture before them. But for reasons we don't know, they decided not to interrogate her further. The pilot must have sensed this hesitation as he asked Virginia permission to leave the cafe. But she thought it would signal they had something to hide. So they waited another hour, eating bread and drinking water, before heading out. The next evening... Virginia forged travel papers for the pilot and got him on a train out of France. She'd been given the necessary tools by Dr. Rousset, and as long as the pilot didn't draw any suspicion, there was no real reason why border agents would look too hard at his paperwork. As he set off, Virginia relaxed. She'd successfully saved her first operative, and it was the first of many. As the months rolled on through the fall of 1941, Virginia spearheaded numerous campaigns to sabotage Nazi machinery, as well as giving fugitives and Allied spies escape routes to Spain and Britain, including an infamous prison break at Mozak. She deciphered and transmitted code via radio that helped the resistance circumvent Nazi plots. And slowly, she began making a name for herself. It was a name born out of the fact that on that first night at the cafe with the pilot, the Gestapo officers noticed something. As Virginia and the pilot finally left the cafe, a small hobble in her left leg gave them pause. Ah, she has a limp. 
Yeah, interesting. Indeed, a limp. And so the legend of the limping lady was born, and Virginia quickly disregarded her alias as Brigitte Lecontre. The Nazis had put that name to her face, and she couldn't do her job if she was noticed in any way. After years of rejection, she must have felt a sense of pride. She'd been hired as a spy and saved a man's life, and she was good at it. But the walls around her were beginning to push in. The U.S., which had remained neutral in the war up to this point, was making broader shows of support for the Allies. And while that may have been good for the war effort, it meant that Virginia Hall would soon lose her open status as an American working in France. After that first close encounter with the Nazis, Virginia moved out of her first home and into another and continued her undercover work for the SOE in Lyon. Not yet realizing the priest Robert Alesh was on her trail. Coming up on the next episode of Good Assassins. The people of Europe who are defending themselves do not ask us to do their fighting. A message for Captain Barbie. I believe I have found the nest of the limping lady. Confirm her location and then return to us. I've seen many terrible sights in the last five years, but nothing, nothing approaching the dreadful interior of this hut at Belsen. The dead and the dying lay close together. If you have any questions for us about Good Assassins, if you're curious about some aspect of Virginia Hall's story, or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at goodassassins at diversionaudio.com. Make sure you spell assassins correctly. Again, that's goodassassins at diversionaudio.com. We'll try to answer your questions on a future episode. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at diversionpods. Good Assassins is a production of Diversion Audio in association with iHeart Podcasts. This season is hosted by Stephen Talty and written by C.D. Carpenter. Produced and directed by Kevin Thompson for Real Jetpacks Productions. Story editing by Jacob Bronstein with editorial direction from Scott Waxman. Additional research and reporting by Sophie McNulty. Theme music by Tyler Cash. Featuring the voices of Michaela Izquierdo, Rafael Corkill, Lena Klingeman, John Pierkis, Andrew Polk, Orla Cassidy, Manuel Falciano, Sean Gormley, Matthew Ament, and Steve Routman. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers, Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, and Scott Waxman for Diversion Audio. Version Audio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.